Thank you, guys. That was really beautiful. Um, it's a good reminder of the, the width, and breadth, width, width and breadth of God's kingdom and God's kingdom people. Um, so this morning, I would like to uh, take a, a walk through um, one story in the book of Luke, chapter 8. Um, Stephanie and I have been meeting with students, and one of the things we've heard a fair bit lately is sort of this questioning about God's presence and feeling like God is not near. And Scripture um, reveals our living God to us in unique ways. And one of the really beautiful things that I think about the way that Jesus lived and taught um, is much of his life was, was kind of a living metaphor, if you will, um, a, a picture of reality, both of who he is and who we are. And it teaches us at different times in different ways. And this story is a story that you're all going to be, I think, quite familiar with. Um, but I hope that right now, in the circumstances that we're in, both in the world, in our lives, on campus, in our community, um, that God will speak to us in a special way. If you would, will you please stand for the reading of God's word? This is from Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith, he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you um, for revealing yourself to us in your word. Thank you for your love and care, your grace and mercy to us. Please, Lord, now be with us by your Holy Spirit. Speak through me and to us. Please, Lord, remove the distractions of our minds and our hearts that we might hear you calling out to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. They get into a boat. As they're sailing, Jesus falls asleep. Squall comes down on the lake, a big storm, high winds and waves so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger and they wake Jesus up, master, master, we're going to drown. So if you picture this, I don't know how many of you have been in boats on lakes, but squalls can come up pretty quickly. And the disciples, they know water and they know boats, fishermen, um, real and honest danger. They know that they're going to die. Um, as the squall came on, the boat begins to fill with water. They're trying to scoop it out. They're trying to bail it out. Jesus is in the front of the boat sleeping. And it's only in desperation, when they get to the point where they really are truly scared and realize they are going to drown, that they go and they wake him up. In the midst of a storm, he's sleeping and he appears unconcerned. That's what I was talking about when I mentioned a living metaphor. Our lives are and will be filled with storms. And a storm 
in our lives can be a number of different things, but kind of broken down to its simplest and basest place. A storm or a trial is simply any change that threatens to undo us, any change that threatens to overwhelm us, any change that is simply too much for us to bear. It might be smaller, in, um, it might be massive and tragic in nature, but different types of storms will come at different times. But our lives are and will be filled with them. It's the truth of, of what it means to be human. And any Christian who thinks that following Jesus is a path to comfort and ease is not someone who understands what God calls us to in his word, who actually doesn't really understand life very well at all. And when these storms come, when these trials come, I think it's our nature by default. I think you'll probably all sense this, and it's definitely mine as well, um, to do them on our own, to kind of push through them, um, to make things work, to accept our circumstances, to survive as best we can. Um, sometimes that comes uh, in very unhealthy ways, and sometimes it comes in just pushing through and trying to get to the other side of whatever is before us. And I think part of the reason that we, we gravitate towards that in our natural self is because when big storms hit and you've bailed out as much as you can and you realize you're going to drown, it can feel very much like Jesus is asleep and like he's not concerned about the storm. And I think that's something that we either subconsciously or very consciously think in our minds. Because in the midst of the storms, in the midst of these changes that, that really turn us upside down, that's when we feel most alone, most scared, most fearful. That's when it seems the most realistic that Jesus is sleeping and that he's not actually concerned with our storms. So the disciples, they get to that point where they're going to drown and they go to him, they wake him up and they say, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Like we really are, we're going down. And Jesus then reminds them who he is. Right? He stands up in the boat. He rebukes the wind and the raging waters. This voice, he rebukes the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Now Jesus stands up and he reminds them who he is. He has control over the wind and the waves and the storm. He has control over the wind and the waves and the storms of our lives. We need to sometimes be reminded who he is. But it's not just that he has control. This is really cool. In Psalm 107, we have a parallel story of a storm. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a psalm that is, if you, look at the, um, if you look at the way that it plays out, it literally parallels, uh, talks about God. He spoke and he stirred up the wind and the waves. There were sailors and their courage melted away. They staggered around like drunk men. Their wits were at their end. They cried out to the Lord. He stilled the storm. He calmed the waves and he guided them to where they were supposed to be. But the beginning of that psalm, it starts like this, to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. It's a picture, that, that, that psalm is, 
Give thanks to the Lord. That's what it's about. He's good and his love endures forever. That's like the title of the psalm, if you will. And then there are all these instances of how he's good and how he loves. And it talks about this storm. And any Jew in the first century would have heard, would have, would have heard this in Luke 8, Jesus did on the water, and would have thought, Psalm 107. And the thing is there, it's not just that Jesus is in control. It's that in the midst of the storm, he acts toward his people in goodness and in unfailing love. Storms are going to come. In them, God is always acting towards us goodness and unfailing love. Now, sometimes we know that. Sometimes we feel it, and other times we don't. The truth is, he is with us. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't turn his face away from us. And if we don't know his peace, if we don't know his presence, it's not because he is not there. So he stands and he reveals himself to the apostles. He reminds them who he he is. He shows not just control and authority, but he reminds them that in his control and authority, he is always going to act towards his children in loving kindness and goodness. And then he asks them an honest question, where is your faith? Where's your faith? See, they were being controlled by their circumstances. Now, if we're controlled by our circumstances, we will drown every single time because we cannot bear them. They're too big, and we are not made to carry them. That's why Jesus says, come to me, all you who are, who are heavy and weary. I take my yoke upon you. Um, is easy and light, right? We're not made to bear the burdens of this world. You can never bail fast enough. We can never be strong enough. But faith, and this is why he asked this, where is your faith? Because faith changes everything. It changes the way storms. Look, the storms of the world, the storms that we encounter in our lives, they might crush us, but they cannot destroy us. Jesus has authority over them, and he is loving us in the midst of them. And faith changes the way that we evaluate storms. We see how God uses them for good for us. When we have eyes of faith and we are focusing on Jesus, when hardship comes, it actually changes the way that we view trial, the way that we view the storms that come up in our lives. We see how God uses them for good for us. James talks about it. He says, right, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Peter talks about it. Trial comes, and both of the results are good. James says, these trials are coming. Consider it joy because it builds perseverance in your faith. Peter says, when trials come, it's going to refine your faith so that you might give glory to Jesus when he returns. With eyes of faith, we begin to see trial and how they can be turned to good. Now, that's hard, but it is hopeful. We know in Scripture that God says he works all things together for our good. That means the really good things. It also means the really hard things. In the small trials, it's easy to see. In the bigger trials, it's much harder to see. But I'm sure you've seen it over and over. When you look at the testimony of Scripture, when you look at stories in your own lives, um, my wife's uh, dad had a disease called Guillain-Barre. 
Um, he was perfectly healthy one afternoon. Um, he came home from work, uh, laid down to take a nap, and woke up from the nap a uh, couple hours later and couldn't pick up the pencil that was next to his bed, and he couldn't put his watch on. And within 12 hours, he was completely paralyzed from the neck down and couldn't breathe. He went to the hospital, um, and it turns out that he had this very rare disease. Um, it's a disease that eats the, the myelin sheath, the, the sheath that covers your nerves. Um, and so basically your body is attacking itself. And he was a man who lived um, For two years, he was in a hospital bed. Um, two years, he was on a ventilator. Um, he got a little bit of his motion and his movement back. Um, when I met him, he was able to sit up. Uh, he would eat food with a spoon that was attached to his hand. Um, he couldn't walk. Um, he had to be taken care of 24 hours a day. Um, he had to be bathed. He had to be um, fed. Um, he had to be pushed around. He had to be dressed. He had to be helped in and out of bed. Um, when I met him, I slept in their living room one night um, on a pull-out couch. And I woke up at like six, the, six in the morning because he's sitting at his table turning the pages of God's Word. As he's reading, he's turning them with his hand. And his testimony was this. His testimony was this. Um, I was humbled by what happened. And I realized what it meant to be served by other people and how in my pride I never would have let that happen. I never would have let care for me or love me in the way that they did if I had remained healthy. But the Lord has refined me through the midst of this. He's refined me and he's drawn me closer to him. Now, what's really interesting about that, the people that I know that have gone through the hardest and deepest trial are often the ones who experience and share testimony of greatest refining. The people who rail against it and have the biggest questions are those on the outside, those who watch the suffering happen. How could God let that happen? How could God let that happen? How could God let that happen? The people on the shore watching the boat about to go down. But for the people on the boat going down, experiencing the loving goodness of God in the midst of the trial, that is what happens when we have faith. Where is your faith, he asks them. When the storm comes, God's loving kindness is going to manifest in one of two ways. When you're in the midst of it, more than you can handle, more than you can bear, and you turn and you come to the Savior, one of two things is going to happen. He's going to calm the storm. He's going to remove it. Or he's not. And he's going to be with you in the midst of it. I think so often what we desire when we're in the middle of trial is simply that the trial will be removed so that we will be able to once again be comfortable. We miss what we have with eyes of faith, that the trials come and that God will use them to refine, that God will use them to build perseverance, that God will use them to strengthen us, that we might further glorify him. 
We simply want him to calm the storm with his voice. But you know it as well as I do. That's usually not what happens. We usually have to walk through it. And then that's where this most important question comes in. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. While all this is happening, he appears to be asleep and unconcerned. Who is this? And that's the right question. Because the trials are absolutely going to come, and you are absolutely not going to be able to bear them on your own. So you need to know, who is this that's saying, where is your faith? Who is this that's saying, come to me? He's the Lord and God and brother and friend. He says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Come to me in faith because I am the faithful one. That's who he is. That's what we need to be reminded of. Now, just one final word um, before I close. When it comes to great trial and, and the biggest and most powerful storms, when it comes to things like cancer and unexpected deaths and car crashes and things happening to children, the things that we can't wrap our minds around, we have a tendency, I, I'll be, I have a tendency, um, and I think that I'm not alone in this. I know it's the experience of many of us. When we see those things, when we experience those things, there's a part of us that wants to rage, that wants to revolt, that, that rises up in anger, and that rises up in, in the most powerful emotion that we, that we oftentimes have. And what I want to say about that is, that is not bad. As long as you are very clear about the recipient of that anger. What we tend to do sometimes is that that anger rises up and we aim it at God and say, Lord, how could you? When he says, I'm with you. I am good. My love is unfailing. I will walk with you in the midst of this. Instead, make sure you know where that anger should be rightly aimed. It should be rightly aimed at the evil in the world that comes from a result of the fall. That's what you're raging against. You're raging against that which never should have been. You're raging against the deepest. You're raging against the most painful and manifestations of what it means to live in a fallen, sinful world. You're raging against what we as sinful people have brought into the world. Know that. Remember that. Jesus says, where is your faith? Place it in me because I'm the faithful one. Place it in me because I'm the one who loves you enough to give myself for you. So, the storms are going to come. The winds and the waves are going to rise. You can't bail yourself out. Turn in faith to Christ. Lay your hearts before him. Let him walk with you. He might still the storm, but it's guaranteed that he will still your heart and your soul in the midst of the storms. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.
Father, you are gracious and merciful. Um, you are kind. Your love is unfailing. Um, you're good. And I thank you, Lord, that you reveal yourself to us in Scripture. Uh, forgive us, Lord, when we forget who you are. Forgive us when we're so tempted to question you. Forgive us uh, when we have little faith. I pray, Father, um, while it's hard, make us um, believing people. Um, give us strong, unshakable faith by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we encounter uh, the storms that come today, this week, this semester, as we look back on the storms of this year, I pray that you will help us do so with grace and that we might come to you, Lord, knowing that you have control over them, authority over them, that you work them for good, and that, Lord, you are with us in the very midst of them. Please be with us now as we go forth from here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.